0: Whether Jew or Gentile, we, in our unbelief, before coming to faith in Jesus Christ, we were all once afar off. We'd all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But now, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been brought in. We are partaking in, as it says in verse 17, with the root and the fatness of the olive tree. You're
1: looking too far. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: Today we're going to learn of that phrase, the fullness of the Gentiles. We're going to connect with something that we've heard about in church and it only that phrase only coming here in Romans chapter 11. What's it mean? When the fullness of the Gentiles come in. We're going to look at that today in a message that I entitled, To God Be the Glory Forever. I have broken this message into three sections. The natural and the wild olive trees, verses 16 through 24. The fullness of the Gentiles, verses 25 through 32. And the wisdom and knowledge of God, verses 33 through 36. I'm going to read us into our first point which is the natural and the wild olive trees. I'll read the context, verses 16 through 24, and open us in prayer. Romans 11, verse 16 says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. If God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God. For those who fell, severity. But toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into the good olive tree, how much more will these, who are the natural branches, be grafted in to their own olive tree? Father, help us as we go through this passage. Help to bring understanding to our lives, and help us, Lord, to have thanksgiving for the work that you're doing in our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Paul simply is talking about Jews versus Gentiles and the salvation that is, at this point, come to the Gentiles, primarily in the Jews rejecting Jesus, primarily at this point. We know that uh, there were many Gentiles who continued to reject Jesus at this time and to this day. And at that time, there were many of the Jews who had come to faith in Jesus Christ, The apostles, the Remember, and may we never forget that when we read about the birth of the church in the book of Acts, it was all Jewish at that time. It began in Israel from Jews who became believers in Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ. And their numbers were great. Initially on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And then the next time we have a number, It tells us that the number of men came to about 5,000 men. And so this was a large church, and it was a Jewish church at that time, believing in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. But not the majority of the Jews. They had rejected Jesus. They had been part of the Lord going to the cross. But Paul tells us that in their rejection, it actually opened the gospel to the Gentiles. And he wants to warn now the Gentiles not to become haughty because they have been accepted and the Jews have been rejected. Realize that the Gentiles had come from a a wild olive tree and that they have been grafted into the natural olive tree. Versus the Jews who had rejected Christ have been broken off at this time, their branches broken off. They were part of that natural olive tree, so it would be normal for them to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that one day will happen according to the word of God. And so we find back in verse 15 that Paul reminded the Gentiles not to gloat over the fallen condition of Israel. As Paul argued, since Israel's being cast away, it actually opened the door of faith to all the nations of the world. He said, what would their acceptance be? He said it would actually be life from the dead. And so when he speaks about in verse 16, the first fruit being holy, perhaps he's referring to Abraham himself and the faith that Abraham had in God and the impact that Abraham's faith had on his descendants who followed after him. As God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, 7 and 8, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. We can't set aside the Old Testament and a lot of the church today is trying to set aside the Old Testament. They say that it is not applicable to the church today, but as we just read in Genesis 17, 7 and 8, that the Covenant that God established with Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people. It is an everlasting covenant. What does everlasting? What does it make you think of when you hear the word everlasting? It's going to be around forever. And so we need to be careful as part of the church. And apparently it was an issue in Paul's day as well as the Gentile church actually gloating that the fact that the Jews did not believe. So whether referring to the first fruit or the dough of uh, the roots of the tree, we find that they really speak about the influence that it has. The influence of that first fruit in the dough, it impacts the whole of the lump of dough. The influence of the root in a tree, it impacts the remainder of the tree itself. And he says in verse 17, If some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, the branches that were broken off, it refers to those who were unbelieving Jews, those who did not receive Jesus as their Messiah. And though Israel had once been partakers of the natural olive tree, we might tie that back to the covenant relationship that the Jewish people have with God, according to the Old Testament. Because of unbelief, they had been broken off. And we read about that even in the Old Testament times. As Jeremiah said in Jeremiah eleven sixteen. The Lord called your name Green Olive Tree, lovely and of good fruit. With the noise of a great tumult, he had kindled a fire on it, and its branches were broken off. When God saw Israel originally, he called them, he gave them a name. They are green olive tree. And he described them saying that they were lovely and of good fruit. But because of their unbelief, there was a great noise of battle. A fire was kindled against them. Their branches were broken off. This speaks about the Babylonian captivity. But that unbelief continued on into the day of Jesus as well. But the branches that were grafted in, it refers to the believing Gentiles, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. And uh, although the Gentiles have been part of the wild olive tree, they've been grafted in. They were now partaking of the roots and the fatness of the natural olive tree. That we are actually uh, partaking of the fruit God designed all along. In Ephesians 2 11 through 13, it tells us, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus. You who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is, whether Jew or Gentile, we, in our unbelief, before coming to faith in Jesus Christ, we were all once afar off. We'd all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But now, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been brought in. We are partaking in, as it says in verse 17, with the root and the fatness of the olive tree. And so he says, verse 18, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Boasting is taking pride in or bragging about something. Regarding our salvation, no one can boast about being justified in God's sight because of their own works. Salvation is a gift of God. Salvation is based on the very work of God through his son Jesus Christ. As Paul said in Romans 3:27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. We can't boast because of our own works because boasting's been excluded because salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did not our works at all. It's been excluded. It's a Greek word that means to shut out, to be made impossible, because by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in God's sight. Therefore, Paul, he tells the Gentile believers not to boast against the unbelieving Jews. Don't boast about their unbelieving condition, but even if you do boast, never forget that You do not support the root. It's the root that supports you. And so he says, verses 19 through 21, You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief they were broken off. That and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches... He may not spare you either. So Paul presents a a possible argument of the believing Gentiles who in their arrogance declared that branches were broken off, the Jews, unbelieving Jews, were broken off that they might be grafted in. And although the statement is true, these branches have been broken off because of unbelief. It was there in Antioch that Paul and Barnabas were preaching the word of God in Acts 13 46 and 47, where it tells us that Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary, they're saying this to the Jews, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you rejected and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. As Paul and Barnabas went forth on their first missionary journey, they found that the Jews were rejecting the message of Jesus Christ. Paul had been one who had actually originally rejected this message. But God opened the way of salvation to the Gentiles. And as for the Gentiles, they've been grafted in, because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul warns them, don't be haughty, but fear. Now, we need to remember this in the world that we live in today. You know, we are sinners saved by grace, and I think we should never forget this. I remember years ago when a pastor fell in his church and someone was speaking against, almost joyously speaking against that fall. It should be a shame to realize and we see it happening in our world today where pastors fall it shouldn't be in a sense of pride or of joy it should be a heartache to the church itself that that is the condition that's going on and this person was going on and on about what had taken place and i simply said at one point i didn't quote the verse i just said the words without giving the address the address first corinthians ten, twelve. therefore Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. We need to be careful when we go about boasting. If we think we stand, we need to take heed because we also have that capability of failure in our lives. May we never forget that as believers, we are all sinners saved by grace. That's why Paul wrote to the Philippians saying in Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And when we speak about fear for the believer, it's not to be a dread fear, but a reverential fear of God. Therefore, we should do all that we can in our power to work out or to live out our salvation before others knowing that one day even as believers will be held accountable before god so paul didn't say notice he didn't say work for your own salvation he said work out your own salvation with fear and trembling the late matthew henry wrote concerning this it is our own salvation It is not for us to judge other people. We have enough to do to look out for ourselves. We are required to work out our salvation. The word signifies working thoroughly or taking true pains. Are you taking true pains? Are you working thoroughly in the work that God has called us as believers in our lives today to walk in fellowship with the Lord? It means that Uh, We are very conscious of God each and every day, not just on Sundays, not just when we show up for an hour or two here on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week that we are constantly aware that we are children of God and that we belong to him. In verse 22, he said, therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but on you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. So the goodness of God, it speaks about his excellence, his uprightness. Romans 2, 4 tells us that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. And it's through God's goodness that we are saved. We are to continue in this goodness. We're to walk in faith. Jesus said in John fifteen four that if you abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That we have to stay in fellowship. We need to abide in Jesus. I have another tree that is near dead on my property once again. As we know in the Lake County area, in this area, the dreaded ash borer came through a few years ago and And it bore into the trees, laid their eggs, and the eggs hatched, and they, basically the larva went and broke the bark away from the tree itself. And so I've taken down two of the trees. I have to finish the third one now. But this week I noticed one of the branches fell on the sidewalk, so I picked it up and just cast it off in the yard. In no way am I ever going to anticipate that that branch will grow again. It's dead and you can tell it, but even in the deadness of that ash tree, and it's partially dead at this point, there is still life there. It's amazing. It's still trying to grow. We need to be attached to Jesus. We need to abide in Jesus. We need to stay close to Jesus. Otherwise, we're in danger of walking out of fellowship with the Lord. And he speaks about the severity of God here. It's a word that means a cutting off as a man cuts off the useless branches of a fruit tree. And even those who grow trees like that, and we have a few fruit trees in our yard itself. And there's a necessity of every once in a while going back to to prune the trees that you can get better and more fruit. And as believers, we're to continue in the goodness of God. It enables us to produce fruit unto God. He says, if you're not found useful, there'd be that cutting away. In John 15, 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. So even as believers, as we walk in fellowship with God, God is doing that pruning. He's Working in our lives in such a way that we can become not only fruitful branches, but bearing more fruit. How many want to be fruitful unto God in their life today? How many want to bear fruit, more fruit unto God to see the Lord do a greater work? Well, it comes through that pruning that he does in our lives. And as a vine dresser, God cares for his vine. He takes away the branches that are not fruitful. He prunes the branches that were that they might produce more fruit. He clears away, if we're talking about a vineyard, he clears away the gray. It actually refers to a dead branch that the vine dresser can actually rightly care for the healthy branches. And thus the pruning of the good vines or branches, it helps them to produce more and healthier fruit. So God says in verses 23 and 24, and they also if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted in contrary to nature, into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? So the Gentiles, they came from a wild olive tree, Anybody got an olive tree in their yard around here? No, we don't. So we probably don't understand this. I didn't either. I read it in a few commentaries where Paul is saying, you, contrary to nature. And so the practice of grafting in, this is reverse of the actual practice. You don't take a branch of a wild tree and graft it into a good tree. You take the branch of the good tree and graft it into the wild, that it will produce a good tree. So it's actually reversed. That's why he said contrary to nature. This is not the practice. And they would know they're in the Middle East about olive trees and how things were done. They would know that you don't take from the wild and graft it into the natural or the good or the healthy tree But in reverse, you take the healthy branch and graft it into the wild. And so all he's doing is making a point to the Gentiles. First of all, you guys were not a natural fit whatsoever, but God still worked in your lives. Now think about the Jews who actually came from the natural tree. How much easier would it be for them to be grafted in We might say that the Jews would be a natural fit in the kingdom of God. Unlike the Gentiles, who are not a natural fit, but God was able to graft them in. And if God is able to do this to unbelieving Gentiles, I'll say like myself, how much more could he accomplish this through those who are of Jewish and believed? So as believers, we've been grafted into the natural olive tree of faith. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it teaches us. We think about that phrase, the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And largely here in the United States, Lord, the church is made up of Gentiles, just like in Rome that Paul was writing to in his day. Paul shared nearly 2,000 years ago that one day that number of Gentiles will be complete. And the fact, the Lord, that we still remain, that Uh, The church still exists, largely that of the Gentiles. It means that the number has not yet been made complete. And so, Father, those who are believers today, we are all part of that number of the the great church, uh, the capital C of your church, Father. And I pray, Lord, that even this day you would add to the number of your church. And so be it, Lord, if today is the day that that last number will come in. May our hearts even now prepare for the future work that you have for your church and for the people of Israel. Help us, Lord, to be faithful until that day in all that we do. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ.